This is Ron Friends, comics illustrator, and this is a bumper for the amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. I'll be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon. They'll bend your ears with reckless self abandon. Hello and welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Giannacchio, founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and an editor at Superior Spider Talk. Well, thanks everybody for joining us for this special episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yeah, Dan, and we kind of had to call an audible for uh, this episode. We were originally going to talk about the newest issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but it was delayed or who knows what or or solicitations were wrong, whatever. It's going to come out, I think, this week. So instead, we're going to be talking about uh, the, the big news that came out of that recent Marvel Retailer Summit that spawned a bunch of controversy. I mean, there were articles all over the place. There was even something in the New York Times. The Grey Lady, fake news, right, Dan? I mean, what's that about? <laughs> the New York Times is covering the Marvel Retailer Summit. That's something I never thought would ever happen. Yeah, and, and just to show like what what a huge bit of news this is. I don't know if it's that huge. It's it's cool. It's interesting. It's very interesting. But we're bringing in a special guest, all the way from our brother podcast. It's a scoopy scoop with the ultimate spin, Brian Jacob. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Hey now, it's great to be back, guys. And Brian, you just had came off. You're coming like fresh off of an interview with Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, congratulations on that awesome interview. Thank you. Thank you. It's a really surreal thing, but uh, yeah. It's good that you did it, Brian, because if Dan ever got to interview Bendis, he might just cry the whole time. (laughs) It will be literally just me asking questions about the most niche things that happen in his books. No, you would totally be like Chris Farley with Paul McCartney. Like, remember that time? Oh, did Ultimate yeah. Spider-Man. That was great. That was awesome. That was awesome. I would turn well, into that guy that like stands up at, at like you know at con Q and A's that asks questions like on on page fourteen, panel five. <laughs> what were you intending with Speedball looking at the mirror? There you go. <laughs> well, Dan, last time we had Brian on, we went all the way to Funky Place. Um, so why don't we go to Funky Town and talk about some retailer summit stuff? Dan, so and Brian, 
I, I forgot you were there, Brian. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, hmm. But uh, I'm just so used to always talking to Dan. Um, so we've been talking about in the in the intro here this Marvel Retailer Summit, and you know, for some of you who you know don't stay fix fixated to comic book industry news, you might be saying, "What what, what are you guys talking about?" Um, so what's basically happened is you know over the last several months, um, Marvel has been losing um, a, a good chunk of its market share in terms of sales, uh, mostly to DC, uh, the, the, the distinguished competition. Um, so um, a bunch of Marvel executives had this kind of sit-down summit with some of their like major retailer um, representatives to kind of ha- you know hash out what's wrong, what 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 could we be doing better, what 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 do you see are the problems in terms of how we sell, you know how our product is selling in your stores or you know what what have you, and you know there was a lot of, of viewpoints being um, discussed, but you know like some of the major points that kind of got brought up um, from both sides was you know this idea of the, the event fatigue which we've talked about at length Dan you and I on this show uh, and also the timing of events the fact that like you know one event ends and then you're already three months into another one um, there was talk about um, kind of just the 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 length of uh, all the different characters there's, there's new characters versus the core characters uh like you know iron you know iron man versus new iron man and whatever uh that we've been seeing and and kind of how that's been affecting sales of those books um all of the reboots and restarts and the you know the new number ones or you know in some cases it's not even a new number one issue but they kind of like you know like didn't we see that with with spider-man and spider-gwen recently dan and brian like the that with that with the kissing kissing in a tree arc or whatever the heck we called it uh <laughs> um, right, like all new arc starts here they'll slap a big one in the corner yeah yeah i mean you know it's just it's it's it's, it's confusing um you know the the i guess kind of the the dilution, as I would call it, of of certain major lines of comics. I mean, the Spider books obviously is a good example. X Men titles, there's like a gajillion of them right now. Uh, the pricing of uh, the trade paperbacks, um, you know, they're the they start I think at what 19.99 or 29.99 in some cases, and you know, retailers were pointing out that you know, Image, for example, I mean, their first their first volumes of a of a collection are usually ten bucks, and then they go to fifteen bucks. Um, so you know, in in over the top the course of this conversation, you know, a couple of very um, significant things were said that have spurred some controversy. The, the the big one is from Marvel's senior vice president of sales and marketing, uh, David Gabriel, who uh, made a comment which has since been – they've kind of backtracked it and said that it was taken out of context, which is saying that um, the diversity of their characters um, might be – in tune with why it's not selling. So diversity doesn't sell like, you know, and we've, we've seen obviously, you know, Sam Wilson is captain America, you know, uh, Jane Foster is Thor, uh, Kamala, Kamala Khan, uh, not Kamala Khan, Kamala. Is it Khan? Khan? No. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I was like, is it Kamala Harris? No, that's the Senator. from California. (laughs) 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 Just, just getting confused with real world things here, Dan. Um, Kamala Khan with Miss Marvel. I mean, you know, so it was kind of, I mean, and and from my understanding, Dan, there was some pushback even from the retailers there saying, well, no, these, the diverse characters are actually bringing new readers into um, the, into comic book stores. So like that was kind of the, the, 
the really big thing that kind of struck a nerve with a lot of people because it's, you know, that comment out of context or whatever, it's kind of like plays into what I would consider like the dark corners of the internet where, you know, we always see where these new characters debut. There's this pushback. Um, you know, we've covered it on superiorspirotalk.com, Dan, you know, in terms of, you know, can we have a, a non-Caucasian Peter Parker? <laughs> and we know I think that Brian <laughs> wrote that article. Yeah, I know, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like, it, it, it kind of plays into that idea of, you see, this is why we, we, we shouldn't just have the way things were in the, the, the good old days. Um, so, um, yeah, a lot of people did not take to that well. There have been articles all over the place discussing this. And then kind of less to me, controversial, but just interesting to note, you know, in terms of the topic of event fatigue, um, they did announce that following Secret Empire, which is, uh, which that's going to come out, what, May or June? Uh, yeah, I think uh, it we'll, starts in May. We're apparently going to go 18 months before the next major event. So, Hallelujah. wow. I mean, that's, I'm kind of shocked by that. Um, ben, did, ben just kind of confirmed that on your show, Brian. He did. So um, that's a lot to talk about here. And Dan, I, I, well, you know, Brian, obviously, uh, we, we, we've heard your perspectives on this topic in the past in terms of, you know, what you'd obviously talk about on your show. And then also with with that that infamous column that you wrote for Superior Spire <laughs> Talk. Um, but Dan, also, I know, uh, you, I mean, you're working in comics right now for, for an indie label. So you, you probably have some things and I'm just a guy with a microphone talking right now. So, uh, <laughs> well, you're, you're the core comic audience. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm the angry guy in his, in his basement, right? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, where do you want to start? Cause I, I, I have, I mean, if you want to talk about the start, why don't you think Marvel is selling as well as it did? I have some specific ideas to that. But do you want to just tackle the diversity topic first? What you, you guys lead the way, and I'll jump in. <laughs> I think diversity is the biggest is the biggest thing because I think the diversity thing um, plays into a lot of why their books aren't selling. Not necessarily yes. because of diversity, um, right. but because of um, not only how it was handled. But also, like, what the diversity of their lines look like. Yes. I think that's, that's pretty. So, wait. Tell me more about that. So, you're not talking about uh, specifically, like, ethnicities and things, are you? Or what, what do you? I mean, I don't think anybody is not picking up, um, like, the new Thor book because it's a female Thor. You know? I mean, I mean, of course, there's going to be those people that are like that. But if the sales are down hugely on Thor, and it's a great book. I mean, I'll say off the bat, I read every Marvel book that they publish uh, on Marvel Unlimited, which is insane, I, I acknowledge. Um, but I really wanted to get a sense of this, you know, all their titles after Secret Wars, because it seemed like a real great time to get in on kind of a ton of different franchises and get a feel for... What Marvel with free reign to reboot every line would would be like, um, and I think there's some real amazing creativity going on at Marvel right now, and a lot of books that are really amazing that no one is reading. Like Mark, I remember I recommended to you Uncanny Avengers, the second arc with Ultron. I love that story. No one is talking about Hank Pym coming back as Ultron. Um, and there's good reason for that. Um, and I think it's just that 
uh, uh, there's a number of things. Um, to the diversity angle, no. I don't think anybody's not really picking up the book because it's a female Thor. But I think the way they went about it, the entire line of Marvel books, all of their main heroes have been replaced. And often in ways that I think, I don't know if they were intended to piss off the core readers, but they seem, it seems like a mandate. Like, Thor was made unworthy. Iron Man was put in a coma. Bruce Banner was murdered. Like, there, there's no, there was very, I mean, maybe Spider-Man is the only one where the transition to this legacy character was handled with any kind of respect, I think, towards the original character. What do you guys think about that? Well, that's just because Spider-Man already had his, like, <laughs> the 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 piss off moment with this <laughs> right. character getting yeah replaced. yeah yeah and I think uh, I wonder if this if this and, and to ask you guys a second question do you think that this is all related to the uh, reception of Superior Spider Man because it kind of showed that they could sell books by being edgy um, and t- taking risks with their characters so those are the two questions. I think um, there's definitely on. there's definitely an element of that there you know in, in terms of. The controversy and people get very vocal about it, but Marvel knows like you're going to read it anyway. Um, but then I, on the on the flip side, it's like I also like I get frustrated because I I don't know I have the attitude that it's comic books, right? So what is ever permanent? So I, I get frustrated with like the old school fans, like you know this is ultimately temporary, and if you're going to change it up a little bit, like you isn't that just the nature, like? Wolverine died. We all know he's going to come back, you know, at some point. Spider-Man died, which is what created your show in the first place. You know, you knew picking it up, he's going to come back. But there's this, there's an interesting story to tell. And I find, like, that's more interesting to me, um, just the journey of it. And so if you change up all the characters, I, like, to me, that makes it more accessible to people. It, the, I, I buy into that argument. Like, the the whole comic should be for everyone. And so when you start fresh... When you start trying to reflect the world around you and handle it with care, I've seen some books handle it better than others. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't really get the the frustration because you brought up Marvel Unlimited. It's like it's not like there's any shortage of material to go through and discover or rediscover. I, I and I I agree with you. I mean, like I love Captain America right now. You know, like uh, I think both Captain America books are great. Um, I'm just saying, like I feel like it, like. For those people who are looking for a narrative, like uh, of Marvel, like shoving diversity down their throats or whatever, I feel like Marvel like has given them exactly that narrative to latch onto. Yeah, I mean, for me too, it's 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 not even just about. No, I don't think someone is not reading a book because you know Thor is a woman or or um, Captain America is black, but. Um, there, there, there does need to be, I think, an organic shift in these characters. And I feel like Marvel has kind of foregone that, not even just with the, these diversity characters. I mean, in a lot of instances, I mean, Secret Wars became, I think, a big, ex- you know, that whole eight month later jump, like to me, like, you know, Marvel will paint it as, oh, there's all these unique situations and you don't even know how we got here. To me, that's just lazy writing because it's just 
uh, it's not organic evolution for for these characters. And I think that probably pissed some people off because then it does feel like it's a mandate. It's something that's being shoved down your throat where, you know, like we talk about superior. I mean, like that was something that was building and building and building. And 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 it seemed right at the time with Thor. Now, I know Thor was pre-Secret Wars, but it was just, you know, what the end of of original sin you know, uh, uh, Odin's son was just determined not worthy anymore. It just came out of nowhere, right? There was no build to that. There was no rhyme or reason to it. Was there? Am I forgetting something? No, there, there wasn't. Um, no, it was uh, plot convenience theater. Yeah. yeah. And, and okay, I know with, with Sam Wilson, you know, Cap, what, he was aging. But but now, like, and then this is, this is to the other point of it, too, is, you know, and we've seen Marvel do this in other eras of where... I, where, frankly, they've been on the decline. Um, they're still trying to, like, have their cake and eat it, too. I mean, there are two Captain America books right now. There's a Sam Wilson and a Steve Rogers book. There are, like, eight Spider-Man books with eight different Spider-Man characters right now. And or even even the main Spider-Man book. How many continuities can you have? Because you've got what Dan Slott is doing and amazing, but... You miss the, you know, you want Peter to be married to MJ again. You got renew your vows. You know, you want to go back to high school. You've got uh, the Chip Starsky book that's coming up. So, I that's that's exactly right. Like you can have it, all you know, all different ways. So that's and that goes back to what you were saying, Dan, in terms of the diversity of the line, or maybe even lack of diversity of the line. Like you're you're flooding your market now. That's like DC for a while before their rebirth was. I mean, I, they're still kind of this way. But they were almost like half their line was Batman books, mm. you know. And if you don't like Batman, or you're not like super into Batman, you're not going to read any of those ancillary titles, you know. Like we look at like Marvel's best books aren't even given it like uh, you know aren't really even given a time to shine. Like look at like Mockingbird, a great book, an excellent book. We get what uh, a dozen issues maybe of that book. Um, it's just drowned out by all this other content. Like, if I'm a Spider-Man fan, I guess I'm going to buy the Spider-Man books. It doesn't give me a lot of room to kind of find something else that I love. Um, I mean, I, I grant that I could go pick up whatever. Like, Spider-Woman, I think, is one of Marvel's best books they've ever published. But it was never really given a platform to succeed. It's just drowned out by Silk and Spider-Gwen and all these, like they're all operating under the same idea. Yeah. And then like, yeah, I was going to say like, I mean, okay, maybe Spider-Woman is his own thing, but certainly like the, the, the concurrent launching of Spider-Gwen and Silk made no sense to me. Like pick, pick one, you know, like you want one young spider female character pick one like why do we need two different books that kind of are essentially going for the same kind of thing i, I, and I, th then, I think the argument is still like it, like you're saying mark is pick one because the market can't support more than one because we correct. would love to have more than one yes but 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 i think what we're seeing is that um the marvel is diluting its own line it's 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 watering it's watering everything down in an attempt to I think and they you know maybe this is they want they have creators that they want to push they want to give people an opportunity to do these books but 
none of these books are doing more than what, like 20,000 units right now with a lot of these like secondary titles. I mean, it's like, you know, it's crazy. I mean, I don't know if, if you take away silk and just have spider Gwen, if you're going to get twice as many people buying spider Gwen, but like, I have to think it would still be more, right? I don't know. I mean, or, or like, you know, they, they bring Miles into the 616, and he's kind of like, he's he's your your teenage Spider-Man the way, you know, it's supposed to be. And then at the same time, they launch Spidey, you know, right. which is teenage Spider, teenage Peter Parker, you know, like, like it, it's, it's, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. I feel like if you're Marvel and you're doing this, it's like, they're not, com- they're not truly committing to the idea they're just trying to push as much product as possible and and then and it ends up looking like like they're checking like they're trying to check a couple of boxes instead of well, like really believing in an idea and making that the idea well let me throw this out there because it, it's in some ways it also seems like it, it could be a can't win situation so you mentioned earlier uh not kamala harris kamala khan who's you know, <laughs> Runaway success uh, for Marvel, a new new character, uh, Muslim superhero, but she's Miss Marvel. You know, you still have a Captain Marvel. You have you have Carol Danvers around. Um, you've got Miles. You've got Peter. I'm trying to think of the last and, and the sort of uh, angry fan argument is like, oh, why don't you just create your own character instead of you know repurposing quote ours? And so I'm trying to think of like the last original minority character. And I, uh, I think it might be Mosaic. Mm-hmm. And is anyone reading that book? Does it has it really gotten a push in in any way? I can't really tell because it's it's such a. Sometimes you know it's it's like trying to drink from a fire hose. There's so much product out there, but Mosaic came and I thought it was interesting art. It's an interesting concept and story, and yet I never hear anything about that that book at all. And he, they even brought Spider-Man into it, or you know, he had turned himself into Spidey for for an issue, just hopefully to get it. You know, I, the cynical side of me says to get a little bit of a sales boost to get some attention, but I don't know what the answer is to create your own heroes or to if you're trying to reflect that market. Is there another way to do it? Because with that example, anyway, it didn't seem to to take off. But then when you do stuff like you change Thor, you change Cap. You, you still have that that brand, that mantle you can hang it on. What does it mean to have Spidey appear in your book these days when he's appearing in a dozen books a month? Well, know, I mean... Know, like, he, does that actually affect your sales in any regard other than, like, the Doc Spideys of the world who buy every appearance uh, of the character? Well, there you go. It's a, Maybe it's like a Hail Mary pass. You know? <laughs> spider, <laughs> spider chronology. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, I will say, like, Kamala Khan's book sells really well, um, you know. Well, uh, digitally. Digitally. Digitally, digitally yeah. right. Yeah. No, not in the direct market at all. Squirrel Girl doesn't sell at all in the direct market, but it sells great in bookstores and digitally. Um, now, 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 here's something kind of to that point, and again, playing with the diversity thing, and, and this is something where, like, I'm thinking of Miles when I'm kind of levying this criticism. So... Kamala Khan to me is a really great way of of bringing a diverse character and a new kind of voice into the market because I like you know she's she's Marvel's first Muslim American hero and when I you know at least 
I, I read the. I haven't read it since the the relaunch. Um, I, that's something I do need to catch up on. But like when I read that series originally, like I liked how like that book felt a lot like the old school Spider-Man book, except with this the coloring of this Muslim American family and the the the, the problems that come with that. And 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 it like it felt like it util it, it leveraged its diverse cast really well to tell unique stories. And in a lot of these other instances where I feel like where we have these new characters, these diverse characters, like I don't actually feel like they're utilizing the diversity of the characters to tell new stories. Like I don't like do you feel like Miles is really I mean, there was that one arc in the beginning where, you know, Miles was kind of ticked off that they commented on his skin being brown on the news Mm-hmm. or on Twitter or whatever it was. But, like, I don't know. Like, I don't read Miles and feel like it's authentically, like, a Latin, uh, you know, a half Latino, half black superhero besides the fact that that's just how his skin is colored in the book. And maybe it shouldn't be that. I don't know. But, like, do you feel like they could be doing more with that? Should they be doing more with that? Is it then even more obnoxious if they do more with it? I mean, where where do you guys stand on that? I think that comes down to your your writer, right? I mean, the reason people know about Miss Marvel, I mean, she got the press because you you hang that PR line that, you know, oh my gosh, it's a Muslim American superhero and what does that mean in today's world? But then it's you know, it's powered by G Willow Wilson who has that experience and voice and can bring that through. And you know, we talked with Bendis in our interview about race and stuff, but his experience is unique. He doesn't, he's not, you know, he hasn't lived that life. So yeah. how can that come through? Um, I did read a, a preview of, there's a Miles Morales young adult novel coming up later this year that's written by Jason Reynolds, who is an African-American author, uh, young guy too. I think he's in his probably late twenties, early thirties and um, use the word authentic. I mean, just the three chapters I read that, it was it was night and day. It just felt like Brooklyn and that, you know, the, that experience of that neighborhood and that living situation and the, those cultures and everything just it felt more immediate and real. And that's not a knock against Bendis. I mean, you write what you know. And if if you only know so much, that's going to come through in the work. I agree with you uh, about that, Brian. I, I just feel like uh, Miles should be more than like Peter Parker, too. And, and I feel like. Not to pick on that character too much, you know, and we get things like his abuela appearing in the book. But I just I really want something unique from that book. And when he's fighting Black Cat and traveling the multiverse, it it really to me seems like a real um, betrayal of the core idea of that book, which I don't think was ever sharper than like the Uncle Aaron stories or even the beginning story, uh, uh, Miles' first story with the you know Brooklyn uh, Academy, and that stuff has taken such a background, you know. Like, I, I if I want to read another Spider-Man book, I'm hoping that it gives me a, a different perspective on, uh, you know, the character or, or or what it means to be a superpowered character. Uh, like, I don't, I I don't know. I, I don't need it to like. You know, have Miles joining a gang and playing into the worst stereotypes, you know, of 
of you know black and Latino culture, but like I, I would like to see what makes Miles' life unique from Peter's. And I, I mean, even the voice, oftentimes I feel like it's written the same as Peter in that book. And not to be too critical on Bendis, because I'm still enjoying the book, and I thought this last issue was pretty solid. Um, I think this is true of a lot of these characters. They, like, they just aren't doing something unique enough with, like Mark said, with, with their new mantle on the character. Like, uh, you could not, and I don't think, for all the problems we have a slot, I don't think you could say that about, like, Superior. The minute a different person was in that body, it couldn't have been more different of a book and shown us a more different perspective on the world. Yeah, I mean, and, and to kind of play into what you just said, Dan, and then what Brian was saying, I, I mean, you know, I, I'm glad that you mentioned, like, not playing into the stereotypes, but I do wonder when they have these writers on these books who have not lived these experiences, does it kind of drive the book into this kind of cautious tone of, well, I can only write what I know, and if I go too far in one direction, is it going to come across as cliched or trite or playing into a stereotype or whatever? So then you just kind of get milk toast, you know? Like, like you know, yeah, we don't... I don't think we want to see Ben, you know, Miles in a, in a, in a, in a gang, you know, uh, <laughs> You know, with the Latin Kings or something, but I, I do think maybe you know if you have a, a a Latino or a black writer on Miles, maybe there are just more subtle things that would just give the character a a different voice and make it and make him stand out um, in more subtle but distinct ways. I think just to just to stick up for Miles for a second and and Bendis too. What, <laughs> you should, you should. Was, That's I why mean, you're what, here. I, I feel like a, a core thing that was making him different from Peter Parker, and we saw it all the way back in the beginning with with Uncle Aaron. I mean, as the series goes on, we learn about his dad and his relationship, you know, Jefferson's relationship with Aaron and their past, and it was pretty shady, and choices were made, and there's a lot of regret about that. Jefferson went one way and Aaron went the other. And when Miles became Spider-Man and then there was that uh, battle where Aaron died, I mean, his last words to him were something along the lines of, well, you're just like me. And that's Jefferson's biggest fear. He does not want Miles to go down that path. So I feel like there are some interesting seeds sown there and they kind of started to play out. And then something that we've talked about on our show many times is just the narrative gets interrupted because Marvel is doing an event. And so you've got to work your script around that. And then the United States is in the middle of a civil war or Galactus arrives and the entire world is ending. And then you try to get back to it. And through that, Bendis was kind of trying to rethread that line of Jefferson's struggles with, you know, coming to terms with his past and coming to terms with Miles as being a better person or possibly a better person than he is and having to, to realize that and still being worried about him. And, and then how does that work post secret wars and this reboot? And it seems now if we really are getting a year and a half free of crossovers, I'm really hoping that particular plot line can take off. Cause I think that would really set this character apart. Just Peter has uncle Ben, who is this, you know, moral compass or who set the philosophy down. That's his moral compass. But miles didn't quite have that miles is like, or miles is, um, 
heritage or family connections is a lot more complicated. And it's something that he's he doesn't want to be. He's running away from. I think that's that's kind of cool and very different. I'd like to see. I, I hope he can uh, just to mix uh, throw one more metaphor in there. I hope Bendis can grab that ball and run with it. I hope so, too. Um, I, I really think there's a lot of you know promise in Miles Morales. Um, that I, that I, 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 I've just been eagerly awaiting for years to see kind of pay off. Like, I just, Aaron has not been mentioned in, I couldn't even tell you how long. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do, I do think bringing miles into the six one six has hurt the character more than helped it. I, I mean, I don't know why that has to be, but it just feels that way because yeah, I mean, you know, the, the the stuff you're you're talking about, Brian, I mean, like that was was that all basically ultimate stuff? I mean, ultimate universe stuff? Pretty much. Yeah. Um So do you guys want to wrap up the, our thoughts on this? Like I think we can all say diversity isn't hurting Marvel's sales. Like that concept of diversity isn't what's hurting their sales because this is really all about their sales. Like what is it about this that like wh- what do we what do we think is hurting the sales? The dilution of their lines? Is that what we're taking away? Uh, or, yeah. I mean, that, and I, I think we were starting to touch on uh, event fatigue. Yeah, so yeah. we're going to get into that. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I, I'd mentioned events is affecting Miles' book for years now. Yeah, I mean, there's not a single book that they do now, Dan, that, and Brian. There's <laughs> 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 not a single book that they do now where the narrative isn't, you know, truncated by an event and you know you really got to go back to you know the 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 blessing and the curse of like the mid to late 2000s where you know marvel was just on fire where you know went from was it house of m to civil war to secret invasion to siege which were all for the most part or, or dark avengers to siege i mean they were all generally highly regarded company-wide events that told some interesting stories had some interesting t- twists but you know since since then it just seems like you know they the marvel just keeps going back to that well trying to recapture that magic and you know i mean i think we all more or less liked secret wars but like that almost just that almost felt like um what's his name hickman trying to wrap up his fantastic four narrative from a few years earlier and p.s fantastic four is not even around anymore (laughs) so um but like you know the other kind of like big avengersy type um or x-men type events they just have not hit the mark that way and and it's almost like rather than trying to move on and and go in a different direction marvel just has been doubling down the last five or six years on no no we need to get back there i mean they even did civil war Two. that's how that's how much they doubled down to, to get back to to the glory days of the events and and civil war Two is a disaster I don't know if you remember, but Secret Wars being the flagship event, and then it did not roll out very smoothly, right? They had extended it by one issue, and then the schedule slipped. And so the Marvel Universe had relaunched, even though it hadn't ended yet. Yeah. And, and wasn't the same there even... is true with Civil War too? Right. And wasn't that one of the things that got brought up during the summit in relation to, like, 
and you know they were talking about well what if you got different artists to do different you know different installments of the uh, like like what they did for AVX basically they had different creative teams that kind of strung something together and AVX for the most part stayed um on target um but then you know Marvel's editorial were kind of like well yeah but you know we find that when we change up creative teams the sales dip you know they don't they're not steady um, but, but, you know, the, the, basically what the retailers were saying is, you know, you have one event kicking off before the other one ends because the other one isn't ending with the time it's supposed to, because there's, there's, there's delays and generally the delays are usually on the art end. So how do you, how do you, how do you reconcile that? I mean, maybe not just have so many events back to back to back to back so that you don't run into that, you know, timeline thing, but, um, you know, is there a way to, while you're in the in midst of the event, to, to do it in a way where it stays on time? And Civil War II is kind of the perfect storm of all this because, like, I know Secret Wars involved most of their titles, but they rebooted things for miniseries. But Civil War II was essentially every book in the Marvel line had to tie into this book. And when you've got, you know, the reveal of Tony's, you know, quote-unquote death – appearing in books months before it happens in the main story, you know, you're ruining your main story and the other books don't make any friggin' sense. Uh, you know, and, and everybody has to kind of tread water. That happened in Spider-Man, right, Brian? Like he had to add in an extra title of filler just to yeah. kind of like pad the book out. Um, mm -hmm. and meanwhile, everything is like super loosely connected to this thing. Cause they don't know when they can do stuff. So Ulysses is popping up in every book and people don't like Civil War Two, so all of a sudden you're not liking any book you're reading. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I mean, and, and the joke was, Dan, we like that um, Spider-Man Civil War Two tie-in, but I mean, that's the other thing. How often do we get these little tie-in minis into books that are throwaway garbage? <laughs> it's just, it's again, we're di it goes back to diluting the line. It's just like another book to to, ha to pick up, and you know, when you're on a budget, you gotta you gotta make Tough decisions. I mean, and, you know, is Marvel wasting its time? I mean, did that Civil War two mini sell at all from for for Spider Man? I think it sold okay. Um, I mean, not as well as I think the quality would have, you know, should have determined. It was better than the main book, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. And uh, I know a lot of our listeners, and I can only speak in terms of our downloads. That's one of our lower downloaded episodes because I don't think anybody read it. And we're mm. if you're listening to this show right now, you are a hardcore Spider-Man fan. Let me tell you what. <laughs> you have to go deep on the internet to find us. <laughs> <laughs> well, not everybody wants to listen to an hour about Spider-Man every week. Right now, a uh, lot of people are like rethinking their life choices while listening to this. Oh boy! But I mean, and actually, we're not quite out of the woods yet, right? Because we've got Secret Empire. Would you say Mark May? Is that when it's starting? Yeah. But then we also have another thing, a 10-part series called Generations that's, like, starting in July. So they're already right. lying. So, yeah. <laughs> I, Although that's, I don't uh, know how that's, they're interconnected, but it's, like, another series. So I don't know. Well, that's going to be, event. like, a max. Is that, like, a maxi book kind of a thing? Like, like kind of, um, like, what, essentially, like, what the original Secret Wars was? <laughs> I mean, you know, like. Or if it's, it's a, a series, of, I, 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 I'm not quite sure what it is. If it's a series of one-offs, but nevertheless, it's another event or event in quotes that you know it's like a big promotional push they're going to be do, doing. So again, it's like, is that 
as cool as it sounds, like the fatigue is almost inevitable because it's like, oh, it's another thing I got to. Now, now to the point of events, and I, I, I consider these events, whether Marvel wants to or not, but, and, and this was another thing that got brought up in the summit, but this idea of the rebooting and restarting books, mm. um, like, I mean, Dan, Dan, you and I, I mean, cause we're kind of psychotic collectors. I mean, we buy, we, we would buy this amazing Spider-Man if it was issue volume four, number one, or if it was issue seven seventy three. you know what I mean? Like we, 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 we don't, we don't have any, uh, we don't, we, our tastes aren't discerning in that regard, but like, you know, I, it, it is amazing to me how, you know, Marvel seemed, you, know, you had the new 52 in DC, which I think was kind of the big reboot. And, you know, those books were riding high for a little while until things kind of equalized. And I think, and, you know, Marvel then kind of followed up with, was that the original Marvel now? Was that the first of like the really lime wide reboots? Yeah. I, so, think, I think Marvel now is it. Yeah. Yep. And more and Marvel kind of, you know, after that overtook DC again and, you know, was riding high for a really long time until re- DC's did, did did rebirth, but now like it looks like DC is not yielding yielding that ground back and and Marvel has sun, has since restarted its its series two three more times since the original marvel now which was 2013 i mean like i I love that you can say the original marvel now because in that time they did another marvel now all new marvel now right yeah and it's it's like to me that becomes fatiguing too i mean like it's it's like oh okay you know and this whole thing like oh our comics are are, they're like tv series and and i do think it's interesting that the legacy numbering is coming back in in some instances because i think marvel is acknowledging that's a that was a poor strategy like i mean like yeah you get that fix from a number one issue, but then the sales just drop like a stone after that. Like, like, right. you know, like, well, readers would find it more as a jo- jumping off point than a jumping on point. Right. <laughs> yeah. It'll yeah, be interesting I, I, to see how long the, uh, the old, the, you know, the, the, the re- resurgence of the old numbering lasts, even though, I mean, like, uh, you know, will it become every 25 issues is the big 25th or 50th issue? Are, are they, surrendering to the core audience because like that that's that's my new fear is like you know dc rebirth went back to kind of their classics you know like and we're like okay core audience we really need you and they got that boost from their core again and and brought dc back you know from you know uh, lackluster sales but it clearly didn't last very long the core audience only like really sustained all those books for only only so long, and they have a much more limited lineup than Marvel does. Does a return to this old numbering really just kind of throw a bone to this core audience and nobody else? I don't know. I mean, I guess we have to see. But, I mean, I, I, I do see the concerns about, well, where's the, you know, it, where's the jumping on point for casual fans? But, I mean, at the same token, I don't know if restarting a series every eight months. I mean, you know, we, we had a couple of books, not just a couple, we had a number of books that like, what, 
had like five issues before rebooting again for after Secret Wars. I mean, that's absurd. Uh, yeah, Spider Gwen was was one of those. Yeah, I, I mean, and like, and didn't we have like a what the Superior Iron Man and the, what did that last oh, like right. four issues? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> right. well, like, my like favorite, a... my favorite was Howard the Duck because it, uh, it, it it had a number one on the front and it said like, no, not the number one we did four months ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like and didn't Squirrel Girl do something like that too? Like they made fun of rebooting again, like so soon. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, I, I just wanted to kind of like to springboard off my question, and, and this is not me answering my own question, but like I really think Marvel and and DC and these publishers have kind of got themselves into like a weird place because they they want to expand their audience, you know, like like any company does. And and now that Marvel's kind of like cultural footprint is so big, you know, they're kind of getting this push to do so. Um but you know, you your comics the real problem is this. There are two big publishers in comics and they they basically sell the same exact thing and 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 that model relies on consistency from a core group of audience because retailers are not outfitted with the ability to recommend product to new people there's just too many books like n- no retailer has the resources to tell you about the smaller books and i don't know what the answer to that is like marvel can expand their audience in barnes and noble where they can kind of get to that uh, that kind of broader audience, and, and maybe even digital is the answer to that too. Although I feel like the Comicsology like app wall is super confusing. But like I don't know how you bring on more people than your core audience, which is what you rely on to sell those books, because nobody else is going to discover them, and retailers don't know how to recommend them. But the only way to do that, I think, is to abandon that core audience and. Uh, I don't think anybody's willing to do that right now. I'll, I'll throw out a potential idea to to improve your audience. Uh, pricing. Yeah. Well, because, that was brought up too. Because, I mean, I think I'm, I'm giving away my age here, but I'm of that generation where comic books were in the line at the grocery store, right? And they were only, they were super cheap, less than a buck. So you're, my mom and dad could just grab an issue or two and throw them in, uh, in with the cart. It was not a big deal, but... Comics now three ninety nine a pop. I mean that's that's intimidating and especially and you can't win if it's issue one. You'll give it a chance, but then do you want to commit or do you want to wait for the trade or do you learn about Marvel Unlimited and go that route? I don't know. I mean, I, I, one of the pro, one of the problems associated with that is the distribution. You've got Diamond, who basically, it, not even basically, it's a monopoly. Like they're the only distributor. And they take a huge cut of your profits and only offer you, you know, like placement and previews if you do a select number, you know, a certain number of, of orders and things like that. Although, Mark, your book was in previews, which is totally nuts and bonkers to me. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and I swear I did not pay. I don't think I paid extra for that. <laughs> um, I hope you went out and got a copy of previews. I, you know what I didn't. I should. I should get one. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I went out and bought one. I was like, I have to have this. This is so weird. Uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 yeah, I'll get one. <laughs> um, but uh, I just, I just don't know. Like, 
the only way that like you can start bringing that cost down, you know, is getting Diamond out of, out of the business. But you can't compete against Diamond; they have such a stranglehold on it. So like literally, a competitor would have to come out of nowhere, you know, and and, and begin and begin to push this. And the prices could be kept low. Uh, I think they could probably be lower, but. Uh, I, I think the real answer to that is just getting rid of Diamond altogether and going digital. But then Marvel is sacrificing their core audience with getting rid of the retailers, um, which mm. is what this is all about. Like, it's all headed to this like uh, this like one fundamental point where somebody just says, "Forget print comics. We're going digital and making the price a buck ninety nine." You know, because we don't have to deal with Diamond anymore. But in the process, they alienate everybody. So it's like we're caught in between, and and Marvel is trying to, as painlessly as possible, get their audience to go digital without pissing off retailers who are still getting pissed off. Hence, this whole you know conference. Yeah, and 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 I mean, not for nothing. Like, yeah, I mean, digital. You know, taking taking out Diamond and the retailers. Yeah, going digital would solve a lot of issues, but I mean. You know, just like with regular books and music and everything, like there's still always going to be an audience for floppies. It may not be the main audience, but like, but there is there is a segment that are just not going to buy either all their books or certain books digitally because they they want that feeling of the the tactile feeling. And do you, you know? Would you shut that? segment of your audience out you know what i mean like you, you no, but you could make them pay a more expensive price you know right now digital is at price parity with floppies but i, yeah. be, I bet if you made digital a buck 99 and kept your floppies at 3.99 it would totally cannibalize that market people would learn to love digital pretty fast uh, no that's i mean i mean in, image in, oh sorry go ahead no, no, you go. go you I was going to say, Im- Image does that on, on Comixology, so their issues will come out at two ninety nine, and if you're willing to wait a month, they all drop to one ninety nine. Right. The print issue is the print issue. The digital is that, you know, they do it separately. And I totally abuse the hell out of that. I wait a month um, on all my Image books. Sure, same here. I mean, I... I just buy the trades. <laughs> I don't blame you because those trades are, are they're, they're reasonably priced. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, and, and that's the thing. I mean, it, there are books with image that I would probably never read otherwise, but 10 bucks for six, five or six issues of a, of a new book. If like, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a chance for 10. I mean, 10 bucks was my issue with Spider-Man last month. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I know we like to make jokes about the, that that one issue, but the fact of the matter is it's like I'm much, uh, you know, I'm much more willing to take a chance on a series if I feel like I'm getting some potential bang for my buck. Um, I mean, even at fourteen ninety nine. I mean, well, I mean, at least at that point, like you usually kind of like the series at that point. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like if you if you bought the first book and got it for ten bucks, um you know, and, and they, and they make a keeper, you know, then, then you're willing to pay more, but it's even still a cheap, it's, it still feels like a bargain. Whereas, yeah, I mean, Marvel, I mean, I have Marvel unlimited, so there's no need for me to buy a trade of it anyway, but like, you know, 20 bucks for 
and 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 Marvel seemed pretty adamant about the fact that they would not move off those price points because they don't, you know, they they basically don't want to cannibalize their single issue sales, right? I mean, that was kind of their response to that. They that their their fear was if they under uh, you know lowered the price point on their on their collections, people will just say, "We'll just do what I'm essentially doing with Marvel Unlimited, which is screw it. I'll just wait six months." What about moving to uh, to launching series as digital only? I don't know how that would work out. I mean, I'm, I'd be very curious about about that. I mean, I don't think that any of the motion comics have really moved the dial all that much, but I don't think they've ever really been given the kind of like a list talent, right? You know, like that would really you know move and shake things. I, I I think I think about your question like alongside the new like Star Trek Discovery show. Right, the only way you're going to be able to watch the new Star Trek is by getting the CBS monthly service. And how many people are going to do that for just Star Trek? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a very complicated world, comic sales. And yeah. you know, like, I mean, I just spent the past weekend selling comics at a con. And I mean, the other thing to just acknowledge is there aren't a lot of people that read comic books. Uh, it is a small audience and, uh, you know, with, with, and the competition gets like worse every day, even from within the companies. Like if you like superheroes, man, guess what? You can go and see a movie and get all the superhero fix you could possibly want, you know, uh, for some people, obviously the three of us, that's not true. We are all dyed in the wool junkies. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I think it was um, – you mentioned the Times article earlier. There was one in The Guardian that basically referred to Marvel as Disney's R&D department. I don't see mm-hmm. why it's not. You know, like yeah. like one movie makes more than all of Marvel's comic books make in a year. You know, like – and Guardians of the Galaxy would never exist if some dude somewhere didn't take a bizarre chance of writing a book with those characters in it. You know? Uh, I don't see why they're so precious of their comic stuff. Like, why? Yeah, have it be your R and D. Keep the prices low. Build your core audience, and then activate them on the movies where you make a bajillion dollars. Bajillion dollars? Could they spare one million to fix the uh, Marvel Unlimited app? Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's a lot better than it used to be. That's for sure. Oh look! I just downloaded an issue, and it's only three pages. <laughs> Ready for my commute. Perfect. Oh yeah, I haven't been caught up on Miss Marvel because I literally cannot read one issue of Miss Marvel. It's like blocked. I I cannot access it. Oh, that's good to know. Maybe then I won't be checking it out soon. <laughs> it works on my internet browser, just not on my iPad. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Anything else on the sales thing? I mean, I know that we could go forever on this, but. Since I'm just three that. old dudes complaining yeah. about comics. Aren't you glad you downloaded this? <laughs> uh, Look, so, this is a so, bonus episode. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's somebody's commute. Back. <laughs> it's somebody's commute or, or somebody's. Uh, <laughs> They're not paying okay. us three ninety nine for this. You'll take what you what you get. Right. Right. <laughs> well, we're gonna put it behind the paywall, right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> This is All a right. reward. It's thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're angry dudes. Now pay us for this. So let, let's talk about some comments and emails. Spider, spider, 
right, Dan and Brian. Well, as you know, we love hearing from you guys, even, you know, especially after an episode like this. I'm sure some of you all have have opinions. And the way you get those opinions to us, well, first, you can email us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com. You can rate and review us on all of our various services, which include iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube. Um, you know, leave us those ratings, leave us those reviews. They help grow our audience. You can tweet at us and hashtag it. Okay. To print, or you can call nine red goblin. Um, we're not going to do it in this segment, but, uh, we, we got an interesting call lately there. Dan. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you want to, you want to talk and leave a voicemail for us call nine red goblin. But, uh, we, we do have this one. Uh, is this an email, Dan, or is this a, yeah, this must be an email because I don't see a rating attached to it from, um, Daryl Lahey. I think you got it, Mark. Woo. You want me to read this one? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Uh, Daryl, Daryl writes, I have a couple of questions for you as fellow comic collectors, as I, I tend to be the minority in my circle of friends when it comes to my collecting habits. Um, so they want to know what the end game is in regards to your personal collections. You both boast having complete runs of ASM, no small achievement, but let me give you a little background as to why he, uh, why I asked this question. Uh, comics for me have always been first about the art, then the story and always lurking in the back of my mind is the value of my collection over the course of my collecting days, especially when I was younger, my cash flow would run dry and I would be in desperate need of money. My collections are always there to bail me out like a backup bank account. Nowadays, I'm older and don't run into as many money issues as when I was younger, but the idea still sits there in the back of my mind. So perhaps it's become more of a retirement savings account or something I leave to my daughter when I pass, not likely very soon. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, so I build my collection on items that I believe will resell well as, um, as the ones that I want to read. Um, has anything like this ever crossed your mind? Um, interesting. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 funny, like, Dan, for me, you know, I've had people ask, you know, I kind of always get like a little huffy when someone asks me how much my collection's worth. Um, Mostly because you don't want to admit it to yourself. Well, <laughs> there's that. But like, it's it's also like, for me, it's it's kind of irrelevant because it doesn't matter how much it's worth because I have no intentions of reselling it. Yeah, it's invaluable. Um, yeah, I mean... You know, maybe for insurance purposes, I should get it. I should get uh, <laughs> um, get evaluated. But um, you know, I guess the end game for me is just you know, I have a I have a five year old boy who loves Spider Man. I mean, you know, maybe one day he could get joy out of these things. But I I, I have no other end game beyond that. I haven't thought that um, hardcore about it. You, Dan. I'm the same way. I mean, I don't really ever intend on selling it. I mean, I could see if I was in, like, a desperate financial strait, you know. And, and I definitely thought, like, hey, I'm trying to make my own graphic novel. If I sold my comics, I wouldn't have to do any fundraising. Like, I could just make the graphic novel that I want, you know. And, and what's more valuable to me, that, you know, group of comics sitting in a closet or, like, a, a creation of my own, but you could just sell your annuals. I mean, they're pretty useless. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that might have been the deepest dig yet. 
Ouch. 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 I am. Uh, I, I don't know how to recover from that. That might just have to be. Fired. That might have to be the end of the episode right there. I, I you know. Uh, Let me give you some aloe for that burn. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess I could, Mark. Um, you know, like. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't ever plan on selling it. Um, you know, it's just. They're too personal to me, you know. Um, each one's a story. Maybe not as storied as yours, Mark. Um, oh, I just, you've I, made I, your I, career out of I that. I make the stories the story. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I feel the same exact way as you do, Mark. I, I just don't intend on getting rid of them. Um, and I, I think I'll definitely pare it down as time goes on. Like, I don't feel like I need – Every B book that I've bought, I'll probably consolidate those somewhere and and pass those along, and it will probably get smaller and to be just Amazing Spider-Man comics. But it's it's a, it's a it's a lifelong hobby, and I don't see that ending. And I don't know if I'll have kids. I'd love to pass it on to a kid if I do have kids that happen to be into comics, or kids that happen to be into big lump sums of money that they suddenly find themselves in. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Brian, do you have any thoughts on this? I'm not a, I'm not a collector. Uh, so my, but you know, I can appreciate like what both of you guys said, like, it's not about the money. It's just the enjoyment you get out of it. But that said, I'm curious, like, so obviously you can't take it with you. So Mark, you mentioned, you know, your son and if they, they went to him at some point, I mean, do you want, I mean, do you, Either of you guys have strong thoughts like the collection should stay together or once once they're out of your hands, they're out of your hands and whatever happens, happens. The heart that went into building those collections, like a lot was invested in. I, and I don't mean strictly the financial sense. So after all that, you know, do you have that kind of emotional attachment once you hand it on, like as to what as to the fate of the collection? You know, I think there's a part of me where if I was to, you know, if it was like a an, an inheritance type of situation with my son that I would like, if he like turned around and immediately resold them, I would probably like try and haunt him from the grave or something. <laughs> um, but I mean, at the same token, I mean, like I can't, you know, there might be some unique circumstances where, you know, either he needs, you know, would need the money or, or that money could be put to something that would bring him even greater happiness than that comic that, you know, that collection brought me and, you know, I would never want to deprive him of that. So, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it is kind of, you know, once it's, once it's out of my hands, it's in, it's in his hands. Um, but I do love the um, idea, Mark, of you just haunting your comic collection. <laughs> I'd be like ghost Peter crazy town, banana pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrifying. He sold my issue three. <laughs> you're very, you're a very cheery ghost. Yeah. It's like... Well, you know, that ghost Peter was pretty cheery. You know? <laughs> I will not let you do that. Um, anyway, um... I'm, I'm very interested that this is how you read all of Superior Spider-Man is there, with this kind of vocal intonation. I need to reread it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're rereading Superior One because kind of brought it all back then, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you just can't speak to the circumstances, but I mean, you know, all things created equal, and everyone's doing okay and doesn't need the money. I would hope that you know it could be just something that just goes on and on and on until you know 
until we inevitably get wiped out by global warming or something. (laughs) (laughs) And then nobody gets anything. (laughs) Yeah, right. right. Nobody gets to have fun. Thanks, global warming. That's kind of your ideal way to end the collection, right? Like, I had fun with it. Now nobody else gets it. Exactly. I mean, Dan, you know me pretty well. Isn't that kind of how I am? Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. Uh, well, I'm going to close down this chapter of this kind of like sobering look at our, you know, frailty and, and, and mortality. Uh, um, uh, let's talk about some spider news. That's that's the most glumly anyone has ever talked about the word spider news. Ah, <laughs> uh, spider news. Well, well, Dan, I mean, you know, I don't know if this is glum or not, but we, we got a new Spider-Man Homecoming trailer. Um, I thought it was a big improvement over the first one. Um, what did you guys think? Brian? I was, I was actually kind of bummed out. Um, because I felt like I saw the whole, because I felt like I saw the whole movie. Yeah. I heard that from a lot of people that they felt it was too spoilery. Yeah. I I agree with Brian. Um, I felt like if they had just shown us that he lost the costume, it would have been enough for me to go, Oh, I see what they're doing here and go, I want to see that. Um, and to me, that was the highlight of the trailer is kind of having my assumptions confirmed that they were doing like. Amazing Spider-Man number one, uh, the comic in the movie where it's like he wants to join the super team and ends up making a menace of himself. I don't know how they do that without the Daily Bugle. Um, I'm guessing Tony Stark is their kind of like stand-in for that. But I thought that was the most interesting thing about the trailer. Um, I thought the Vulture looked really great in this trailer too. Um, but... I was dismayed seeing things like a plane crash, which I'm like, to me, that's like superhero movie go-to is we got to do a plane crash. In fact, we had one in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Sure. Um, We have one in every Superman movie. It's just kind of like I don't feel like I need to see Spider-Man affecting things on that level of consequence. Um, yeah, he just he just rescued a space shuttle in his very first solo issue of Spider-Man, <laughs> but that's okay. But that's but that's different than like uh, a seven forty-seven plane. Well, I mean, like it's different than like hundreds of lives. Fair enough. Oh. It was just a space shuttle. All right, fine. I I I, I I I get what you mean, and and I I mean in terms of what I liked about it, I mean it 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 was like I did feel like, and maybe it was a little to superhero cliche type stuff. But, you know, the first <clears throat> the first trailer, you know, the criticism was kind of like, oh, it just feels like this is the the Tony Stark show that Spider-Man shows up in. And this one, like, I just kind of like that we got to see Spider-Man doing more superhero things on his own. I mean, even with still the Tony Stark beats that were in there, but it was just less, you know, like, if I didn't know any better, I would have thought that the first trailer was Iron Man 4, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> Iron Man and his little friend. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, that looked good. I, I still think um, 
I, and I, I do feel like Michael Keaton is looking like probably one of the better Marvel villains, although I guess time will tell on that. But, um, you know, that does remain the one consistent weakness. And regardless of whether it's film or Netflix or TV, whatever, Marvel just can't seem to get villains right. <laughs> Outside of maybe Loki. Um, you didn't like the Kingpin in Daredevil? He was okay. And Kilgrave was very good in Jessica Jones. Yeah, I don't know. Um, any thought on that, Dan? Uh, I think I think the scene with him in that hangar where he kind of like, uh, you know, he, he kind of espouses his, you know, like belief in his own kind of sort of crime family and says yeah. to like, and he says Peter's name, I think, and says like, you know how it is. And to me that like is the essence of a good villain in one of these movies is that there's kind of a personal or philosophical connection between the hero and the villain. And I think the best example of this in at least Spider-Man movies is, uh, is Dr. Octopus and Peter Parker in Spider-Man two, where they're both kind of scientists who have their own kind of twisted views on responsibility with their, you know, like science minds or whatever. Um, and I thought that was like great. And here I like this kind of, call out to responsibility and family and things like that. And uh, uh, that has me really stoked uh, to, to see if that is actually a fully fleshed out idea. I have awesome. to say the, uh, the star of the trailer for me, and maybe I'm biased, was Spider-Man's amazing friend, Ned Leeds. <laughs> oh, you mean, you mean not, not ganky? Totally not gankily <laughs> at all. Absolutely no. No. That's a coincidence, and how dare you? <laughs> I do love the little elements, too, like with him swinging through the neighborhood. Tony says, can't you be friendly neighborhood, you know? And he swings through and lands in the pool. And I'm like, I hope there's a lot of stuff like that, of him just kind of being this, you know, kid that is getting into antics and spider suit. And, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was a lot more impressive, I thought, than the first time around. But yes, it gave away absolutely everything, Brian. Yeah, yeah absolutely so. everything. We don't know. We still don't know that uh, Michelle is Mary Jane. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, and there was like some additional information just about the movie itself. Not, I mean, that was kind of came out concurrently with the trailer, where we did learn that there was not going to be a Daily Bugle again. You know, Which is a shame, still, I think. Yeah, I don't I don't quite understand what the resistance is with that. Um, I mean, is it just that there's no topping J.K. Simmons, so they don't want to go down that road again? I, I mean, that seems kind of odd to me. And, you know, it does seem like with with the Vulture character that um, it does seem like the, the 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 actual rivalry is more with Tony Stark. You know, Spider-Man's clearly going to get in the way of that. Um, on on that note, it. it was also announced that there's going to be less than 15 minutes of Iron Man in the movie, so his role yeah. will be very limited. Oh, good. Well, we saw about a you know third of that already. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of like kind of like how Spider-Man was in Civil War for what 15 minutes, right? Right. Right. Uh, Brian, let's talk about your Bendis interview a little bit more because there were a bunch of kind of like. I mean, Scoopy I would say scoops. Scoopy Scoops, I guess, as we've been calling them. Um, and and in my mind, I think that thing is kind of a tacit, like, 
uh, like sly announcement of Spider-Man Two. Uh, am I reading too far into this? No, he he pretty much, you know, da- he was dancing around it, but I, I think that's that's the secret project that uh, he's working on with Sarah Pichelli. Uh, well, I I don't think you've really gotten into it on your show, but what are your thoughts about Spider-Man Two happening now? I mean, like. I might not be the multiversal story that uh, the previous one was because the ultimate universe is sadly no longer. But, like, does that story still have the kind of draw to it that it once did with people kind of hopping in and out of universes constantly and us becoming very, like, familiar with a wide range of Spider-Man characters? Like, when Spider-Men came out, they were kind of like the special two now we've got like a dozen titles. Does Spider-Man still hold that kind of special place that it once did? I think it does only because the heart of that book for me was Peter Parker and Miles Morales, their their relationship, the the bond that they formed. And that's something they they teased in issue one of the current run of Spider-Man. Like they supposedly had this mentoring relationship and then there was an issue of asm too where they they had a sort of play date scheduled but they never really got into it um and i i think that's even though the ultimate universe is gone i think that relationship is one thing is going to be at the heart of it and also the cliffhanger was you know who is the other miles morales and bendis was saying uh, during our interview um we had asked him you know what happened in those during those eight months and who knows Miles? Who else knows Miles is from another universe? And he was saying, "Well, all that will be answered." So I think that cliffhanger of who the other Miles Morales is, I think that's maybe not in the way he might have been thinking when there was a separate continuity. But I think he can. I think those are the two uh, elements that uh, we've certainly been waiting for over on our show. So, do you yeah, think? I, uh, do you mm-hmm. think that's why he's been so hesitant about releasing the details of? Miles's background in the 616 universe is because he's been waiting to do it in a book that would clearly get a lot more eyes on it. That's that makes total sense to me. I mean, I I, I think uh, I think yeah, basically, <laughs> I think that that's gonna that's gonna work better. The timing it, the timing is right, I guess, and especially if you have as we've been saying this 18 month stretch where you're not going to get sidetracked with other things. This is it. Uh, let's bring this podcast on home. <laughs> well, let's let's take this home. Yes, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts over at the old SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, uh, where we do all kinds of awesome writing and all that stuff. Or you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a review. Yeah, and additionally, be sure to check out our our brother podcast. That's you, Brian. The Ultimate Spin. If you want to keep up with the adventures of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen Stacy. Um, Brian, why why don't you tell us, besides Ultimate Spin, where we can find some of your great stuff out on the uh, internet? Sure. Well, for I will say for Ultimate Spin, we're over on Superior Spider Talk as well. Uh, and we're at ultimatespinpodcast.com and links to all our social media pages there as well. And also iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play for us too. Just search for Ultimate Spin. And for me, uh, my Twitter and Instagram and other podcasts that I've been on, you can find that all at project37.net. Awesome. Dan, what about you? 
Uh, yeah, of course, again, superiorspidertalk.com. You can find me on Twitter at, at SupSpiderTalk. And uh, if you want to see the comic that I'm making, you can go on Facebook and check out uh, the page for Comic Entropy is, is, is the name of the page. So uh, go check that out if you want to see the book I'm making. Mark, you're all over the interwebs. Uh, what, are you, what have you been up to? Yeah, well, I'm on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com with there and Brock again. Still the greatest pun ever. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's. I'm so glad that people like that because usually, <laughs> usually I overthink the puns. <laughs> um, uh, Chasing amazing blog. You can find some little uh, retrospective type pieces. And, um, of course, you can pre-order my book, 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, from Triumph Publishing, all major book retailers, and in Previews Magazine for April. So um, find that book and order it before it comes out in June. And, of course, guys, you can always find me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog. Well, Mark, we typically end this show with a story from your Uncle Ben, but, um, you know, my curiosity has been piqued in a different direction this time because we got a really interesting voicemail that I want to play for you um, and hear you respond to because I think, I think it, uh, it, it, it uh, calls for a response. So let's give that voicemail a listen. Hello, my name is... Smith, Agent Smith, and I'm with S.H.I.E.L.D. That's the Sympathetic Home Insurance and Expected Life Dividend Company. And I'm calling for a Mr. Mark Ginocchio. We take care of the life insurance policy of uh, Mr. Benjamin Parker Ginocchio. And to be quite honest, we've received quite a shocking number of claims on this one policy. Now, we understand that sometimes people are resurrected by magic ninjas or brought back in a perfect clone body, uh, but the number of claims that have been made on this, on this specific policy are, quite frankly, a little ridiculous. So we would like to speak with uh, uh, Mr. Ginocchio as soon as possible. Thank you very much. We will find you. Mark, it seems you're being called out on making a bunch of false claims about Uncle Ben's death. Uh, how do you plan on responding to this? Dan, this is outrageous. You know, like, this has been a very tragic time and time and time again and time again in my life. Uh, you know, my Uncle Ben has been a father figure to me and, and will continue to be a father figure to me until he's no longer a father figure to me. And then he'll be a father figure again to me. Do you understand that, Dan? Yes, I, I do. I do. But now I'm beginning to suspect Uncle Ben's death might have been organized by you as an insurance money scam. Absolutely not. What, what, what am I using this money for? Have you seen where I live? Come on, Dan. This is ridiculous. What do you think? I'm buying May more wheat cake batter with it? This is ridiculous. I feel like you might be saving up to buy those annuals. <sighs> you know what? <laughs> Venom Sting, dead. Oh. With great power must also come Amazing Spider Talk. <laughs>